0: Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. If this is your first time, on the first Friday of every month, we drop a new teaching or a new episode. On occasions, we may have a um, bonus episode that will come out during the month, but I'm excited about today's episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, the guy we have in the studio with us today, you're going to enjoy this conversation. He is the newly appointed, has been president at Lee University for just about a week now, and this is an exciting time for all of us. Dr. Mark Walker and his wife, Udella, previously spent 25 years at Mount Perrin North Church in Atlanta, Georgia. They have um, two children who are Lee alums and uh, a son-in-law who's a Lee alum and three grandchildren that I anticipate will be Lee alums as well at some point in the game. And we're really excited about this conversation. Welcome to Servecast. We'll be right back with this conversation with Dr. Mart Walker. Welcome back Dr. Walker. Welcome to ServeCast. I'm glad you joined us. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Dr. Lamb. Good to see you. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, I'm excited. You know, we talked about this for the last few years that you've been at Lee and I guess this is the uh right time to have you on as a guest this is going to be pretty exciting
1: yeah it took you three years to figure out that i might be okay to have on your program so i appreciate that You yeah. know, you, you know you got to do all the intel and get the background checks and go. all that before you just bring anybody on so
0: and, and they gave you an appointment that will last for a while so kind of you this know this worth
1: maybe having me on <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, you know, um, last, uh, I think it was last month or the previous month, or month before, we had um, Dr. Paul Kahn on, you know, which was a fantastic interview. It was kind of a closure to his 34 years, I guess it was, 34 34 years. Well, you're the new president. What number you know? How many presidents at lead? Do you know?
1: 17th is what they tell
0: me. 17th, right? Well, well, maybe you'll stick around for a little while. We hope. Maybe so. I hope so. (laughs) Time will tell. That's a new phrase I'm using in just about everything that's going on in the world. So, I mentioned in the... um, in the intro that you and your wife, Udella, spent 25 years at Mount Perrin North in Atlanta. Yes, and so you've been at Lee now. How many? You came, you came as a years. vice president yes. and director of ministry of development. Vice president of ministry of development, the okay. chair of the Christian Ministries Department. Okay. Three yeah. years.
1: Three years. Man, August 1st of, of 2017. So wow. just a few days ago just was my three-year anniversary here. Yeah. yeah. Well, let
0: me ask you a tough question starting into the interview. What have you learned about yourself in those three years? You know, 25 years in church work, 25 years in in, uh, local church work as a senior pastor. What have you learned about yourself in the three short years in the academy? I know for sure that the academy and church are different. What have you learned?
1: That I can crank out a lot of emails in one day. (laughs) This is such an email culture, which it has to be. When I first came here, and being a senior pastor— uh, and I know this isn't necessarily the answer you're looking for, but this is a little truth to this. Sure. Um, being a senior pastor, you know, you, obviously people can email you, but you have folks that, that would field some of those and that type of thing, and you wouldn't be answering as many directly, but yeah. serving as a chair where students and faculty and all are, are needing to get to you and, and email you. It was, a, it was an interesting process just to deal with all the emails, uh, and obviously I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. But I think what I've learned about myself is, I think this is a good thing that an old dog can learn new tricks. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm 61. I came here. I'm I was 58, um, and I had been in the church world all my life. Um, not only did I pastor at Mount Perry North for 25 years, but I also pastored in Orlando, Florida, for a time. So 33 years mm-hmm. in pastoral ministry total. Um, and of course, you could you. you Learn that culture. You learn that rhythm of being that that pastor, being that leader, and you understand that world. Coming here, I had to really learn a new world. Hmm. I had to to learn new ways, and and probably the idea of being more collaborative. Perhaps I'm more of a I'm a I'm a team leader anyway. But um, uh, you know. When you're kind of the senior pastor and the quote, the buck stops there, mm-hmm. you know, making those decisions that, okay, this is what we're doing, um, adjusting to that was perhaps uh, one of the things I had to learn how to do. That the buck didn't stop with me. Maybe it did in the chair position at times, but mm-hmm. still then you had a chain, you had to run things up and be approved. And um, so, uh, long answer to your question, Dr. Lamb, uh, but just. I've learned that I can adjust. Yeah. I, I can shift if need be. Not necessarily easy, um, but I'm, I am adaptable. And that was kind of a fun thing to learn.
0: You, you talk a lot about, and I've seen you model this whole idea of personal leadership. You know, you've done that over the years. And I would recommend our listeners to go back and catch the convocation episode. We'll be sure to put a link to it in the, in the show notes Of this last convocation in the spring of 2020, and you talked in depth a little bit in there about your coming to Lee and your appointment, you know, God kind of making the way and all of that kind of stuff. Um, What have you, what what do you see and, and how is, how are you preparing yourself? You know, you say, yeah, I'm flexible and I can... Roll with the punches, but also know that I need to change. What are some ways that you and other leaders can prepare themselves for? a You've been in this office now five days, six days, right? right. What 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 kind of you know steps do you need to take to prepare yourself for such a uh, uh, such an appointment that really there's no way to really prepare for it before? How do you do that?
1: By, uh, cutting to the chase, bottom line: okay. I think you've got to know more and more who you are. Okay. Um, in that process, understanding. Um, what are your personal rhythms what are what are you strong in where are you weak? Um, I think all those are very very important uh, and I to to get there I think what you have to do and, and part of my process is obviously spending time with the Lord um, prayer meditation meditation has become pretty big for me the past couple of three years since I've been here mm-hmm. and I think perhaps, um, it should have been more in my pastorate, to be honest with you. Um, but I think coming here, being in such a brand new environment and feeling really like a fish out of water, I think having to take that meditation time, the solitude, just sitting quietly and listening um, has been a big part of that. And then the other part of listening, if you will, is talking to people, having mm-hmm. conversations, hearing where people are and where they're coming from. What are their thoughts? What are their ideas? How do they view things? I think one of the beneficial things when I first came here three years ago was I just felt like that's what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. Khan has made mention a couple of different times um, that he has on his mirror in his uh, restroom, in his office, he has a little saying that says, shut up and listen. Yeah. And um, I've, put that to practice when I first got here. And I thought it was very advantageous to me just to be able to get a sense of the lay of the land, if you will, as well as just getting to know people. And uh, I've, I've done that coming into this office as president. Um, prior to coming in, as a part of the transition, I had conversations with with people and just listening and hearing. Um, I think that's that's a part of it. You, you've you got to know who people are. You know, I love this phrase that says Uh, You know, we need to seek to understand Mm -hmm. and not just be understood. Um, And I think there's a lot a person can learn and develop from that. And also to see how people view you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Self-awareness to a leader is, oh, it's valuable. I have to understand how people view me and and in a sense of group dynamics. How do I fit into those dynamics? How do I contribute? And that's an evolving Mm-hmm. Uh, type of an experience and journey, and perhaps again coming here where I was not the leader. Uh, you know, when you are the leader, I don't know if you get all the feedback you need to get because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's, you know, well he's the, he's the boss or whatever. Or if you're <laughs> shutting up enough to listen, <laughs> or if you well, there you go too. Um, so uh, so yeah, coming here and being a part of a brand new team sure. at the cabinet as well as with the faculty within the Christian Ministries department. Um, yeah, I had to really. Learn and and become astute to how how am I coming across with people? How am mm-hmm. I? This may be a, a long answer to your. It is a long answer to your question, but um, so yeah, all those things. I think I think the more you can, and 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 being aware of how. Let me go back to that point. Being aware of how people view you, um, and learning from that. But then, at the same time, you also learning from it doesn't mean I just accept every way people view me. Right. <laughs> learning from it is also understanding. Okay, well, that person may view me that way, but that's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Of what I'm yeah. saying, and so that's what I mean by you got to have the real sense of who you are, who you are in Jesus Christ. What are the gifts and talents and strengths you have that He's provided you? What are your passions? What are the burden? What are the things that really fuel you and 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 um, fire you up to 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think all those things, conversations with people being quiet before the Lord, reading, reading is, I mean, I've been doing a ton of reading, <laughs> reading a bunch of articles and, yeah. you know, um, been involved in several higher ed, um, training type of environments and institutes for, uh, higher ed leaders. Sure. Um, I'm right now in a new president seminar, uh, that's, that's, uh, um, Harvard actually puts out and I'm, I'm in process with that. So ongoing learning leaders are learners. Yeah. Uh, as soon as a leader, a a, a leader stops learning, Mm -hmm. he or she stops being a leader in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that constant learning, um, developing, growing, improving, getting to the place where you say, I, I'm, I have not arrived. There's more, there's more for me to learn. Um,
0: one, one of the things that we, um, We champion the idea here at the university, I feel like, and in general, is to help develop students in a holistic approach, not just an academic journey, but also in their own faith development, you know, and those types of things. Knowing you, like I know you, we've been friends for a while, you're an early morning riser, at least from the texts and the emails that I get sometimes at 5.30 in the morning (laughs) or 6.30 in the morning, right? Yes, sir. Um, How, you talked about rhythms a moment ago. Um, How did you learn to develop rhythms in your life and how can you encourage students who are young and you know they don't really understand sometimes that to own the morning is valuable and important. Um, speak about rhythms for just a minute and how can students develop those rhythms even while they're in the middle of a collegiate event? Sure. Or a collegiate atmosphere.
1: It takes it takes great discipline, in mm-hmm. in in my opinion. Um, again, I think it goes back to even knowing who you are. Um, if you know yourself to not be an early riser, then where where are your where is your peak openness or, or, mm-hmm. or when you feel you're the most alert? Mm-hmm. Maybe I put it that way, when, when is that peak time for you? Uh, now, if that's at a, at a time when you are involved in a lot of things, then how do you figure out a way to adjust in terms of where you can have that time to be and uh, um, focusing on, uh, important things in decisions you're having to make mm-hmm. or people you need to talk with or even uh, the time you might spend with the Lord, either in meditation or studying His Word, um, w- even for studying, mm-hmm. learning. One when, when of those peak times for you and learning that and then figuring the best way you can adjust schedule to, to make that happen. Now, if, if, if you can not adjust your schedule, if that's a difficult thing to do, then I think you had to figure out, okay, when when's kind of my next peak time, if you will. When's right. my, when is my one of those times for me? My peak time to be alert and to learn is morning. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what got drilled in me as a as a boy growing up was my dad was an early riser. Yeah, and when we go on vacation. <laughs> and we we would get up at the crack of dawn. He loved to play golf. We'd get out and play golf, and a lot of times we go to Florida, so we want to get out there before it got too hot. So yeah. we're getting up at the break of dawn to go play golf. We're getting up at the break of dawn to go play tennis or yeah. something like that. That was he was such an early riser, and he would get us up for a lot of things us, me, my brother, and I. And uh, so I think that just kind of got drilled into me as a sure. habit in some respects. But I uh, it became a way of life for me and then two being a pastor and then when I was working on like um, my grad uh, school uh, um, uh, um, process and my phd process being a being a dad of young kids being a senior pastor I had to get up early in the morning to crank out a lot of work mm-hmm. so that I could, do what I need to do in my office or to be available to my family throughout the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. it, that's the discipline part of it, too. Um, so I think a, a student just learning and recognizing when are they most alert and having the discipline, that's the key. Right. I think the thing is, you know, we, we like to go out and be with our friends. Our friends like to hang out late at night or whatever. And then if our, if our key time is in the morning, it's difficult to get up in the morning or whatever. I think even in scheduling classes mm-hmm. you know w- th- looking at that when is my when is my best me time not just just be make it all about me sure but when I'm best alert mm-hmm. um, so how can I how can I figure out my schedule figure out uh, the best ways for me to have those times as flexible as possible and some of that is is a, a way of evolving I mean it take it even over the course of time those might those rhythms might shift for you. Mm-hmm. But am I an early riser? How do I learn? All those types of things. Yeah, Yeah, I think those are important.
0: Yeah. You know, we're in a new era in life. Um, When you were appointed president at Lee University, we were not aware that we'd be in the middle of a pandemic and that you would be the new president in the midst of a pandemic. No, we did not. We did not know that. Um, Hopefully, that wouldn't have changed your your willingness to come and step into the. I don't think it would have um, because you're doing what God's. A line for you and for us. So my question leans towards this idea. It's a new mm-hmm. um, it's a new model for higher education everywhere. And I know that leah has been very um, committed and will continue doing so, dropping out information, you know each week to students and to parents and to you know potential students of where we are and preparedness and all of that. but but what do we need to do beyond the mass, beyond the social distancing? how do how do students that are going to be on campus in just a few weeks, how do they need to prepare themselves um, for this new type of learning in this new arena that right. we're all unsure of? You right. know, what we go back to the heart part, go back to the real, you know, personal, emotional side of who we are as individuals. How do we look in this chaos face on and and get through this journey together?
1: I think the first thing is you acknowledge it's going to be different. Sure, sure. You we have to come in with that understanding it's going to be different, um, and when there's change. There's transition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, change is the kind of when the event happens. Right. You know, you know, there's going to be change. Your head gets that it's going to be different. It's going to be change. The transition is the emotional, psychological part of that, mm-hmm. where I have to adjust my. Mo- it's not going to be like it was. I'm not going to be able to necessarily hang out with all my friends at around one table in the calf, yeah. if you will. I'm not going to necessarily be able to. Whatever, it's it's going to be different, but different doesn't mean it's going to be bad or it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. It still can be quite good. Um, So I think the idea, you've got to just understand, it's going to be different. I think the second is to be flexible Mm -hmm. with that. Things are going to change. I have to be... Uh, like I talked about a moment ago about myself, I had to come in to be and be adaptable. I had to come; in. it was going to be different for me when I came to Lee, so I had to be adaptable, be flexible. I think that's the I got to come in and I got to be flexible because mm-hmm. um, things will adjust, and you may come in and things may be certain ways, and then based on what's happening with the pandemic or whatever, that may change, and that maybe even some of the protocols become strict, more strict, mm-hmm. you know. And and you guys got to be aware of that. I think there, Third is the personal responsibility to be safe and the safety of others. You know, one of our values, core values here, is Lee, is responsible citizenship. Mm-hmm. Well, you may be someone coming in going, you know what, I'm not so concerned about COVID-19. I don't feel like I need to be wearing a mask and all that. Okay, that's cool for you. That's fine. However, mm-hmm. you're going to be around a number of people who feel differently. Right. And so... Maybe putting in as a responsible citizenship, citizenship the golden rule, do mm-hmm. unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yep. Loving your neighbor as yourself. It's an opportunity to practice that and say, okay, maybe I'm not as fearful or concerned about it, but others around me are, so I'm going to wear this mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's uncomfortable to me, but that's okay. I care about these people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear this mask. I'm going to practice social distancing. I'm going to wash my hands. Sure. The dorms, all that, I think that's a key thing. I got to come in here. It's going to be different, but it's going to be good still. Mm-hmm. I got to be flexible. I got to be able to shift and even allow myself, if you will, maybe even a little grieving. Sure. Oh, wow, you know, I can't, this is not what we used to be, and I miss this and that and the other. Um, so it's okay to do that. It's all right. Um, but being flexible to shift, but also taking the personal responsibility of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think so too. The uh, the need to really apply myself mm-hmm. to be a part of the solution, not necessarily just complain about the problem. Right. To apply myself, apply myself to helping things be good around here. Applying myself to my studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this in-person hybrid model. Sure, that's that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, as we in the classroom, and as I say that, maybe some of our students don't even know, perhaps, but we're going to be going to a hybrid model in Mm -hmm. about every class we have on campus. There'll be in-person classes, um, live teachers, students in the classroom, but we will be equipping every room with Zoom capabilities. Mm -hmm. So for whatever students, for whatever reason, who can't be in person, they can be on Zoom seeing the live in-person class, and we're trying to, and I believe we're going to be able to do it under the the great work of Jason Van Hook and his team, uh, be able to uh, have the technology in such a way that um, the sound is going to be quite good. Mm-hmm. The the And if I am zooming, I'm going to be kind of seeing different views, oh, good. camera views within the room. Good. I mean, uh, that's what we're attempting to do sure. so that it, it, the point of all that is so that Whoever has to be on Zoom, if if they do, they're going to feel more of in the classroom than just sitting there watching something from from their computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things, but I got to apply myself. Mm-hmm. I got to give it my best effort. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be different, recognizing that, but it's still going to be good. Mm-hmm. Flexibility. Um, personal responsibility, redemptive service, if you will, or a responsible citizenship. And redemptive service. And redemptive service. That's that's another core value. We might as well go ahead with ethical (laughs) action. Tell it all, The whole three. Tell it all, man. And I guess in some respects, ethical (laughs) action is uh, not creating uh, uh, an unsafe environment for those around you. Yeah. That might be ethical action as well. So I guess all these apply to that. So. You know, taking personal responsibility and then applying. I got to apply myself to all this.
0: And it can be fun too because I'm seeing some pretty stylish masks out there. Oh, the there. masks are you incredible! Know, it's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see all the different style of masks. Do you have, have a different
0: haven't. mask for every day?
1: I, I don't, <laughs> but my wife, who is uh, she's a she's a stylish person, she's a classy dresser, and yeah. she she likes fashion. She does have a a mask of a different color to go with my outfit. So if you'll notice. <laughs> I have a blue mask, and yep. you, you folks listening to this don't see, but I have a blue suit, so I've got my blue mask on here. <laughs> so I don't have one for every day, but I have one for different outfits, if you will. Stay
0: with the Lee colors, man. Stay with the Lee colors. You know, being a dad of Lee students, um, you know, your your dad was very involved in Lee at, at one point in, in his life, and you've been on the board of directors for many years prior to your appointment, you know, as a uh, vice president at Lee and now president at Lee. From your perspective, um, what makes Lee University unique in the higher education arena, and in particular, during this uh, new model of, of college that we're looking at? You know, what, why do you, th- and I'm not asking you to sell Lee because we're not trying to do that here. Our podcast is listened to by a ton of other folks, but you know, we are based at Lee University here in, here in Cleveland, Tennessee. So what makes Lee, our Christian education in general, unique for this time of our life?
1: You know, I served on the board of directors at Lee for about eight, nine years, I think it was. I I could have that a little wrong, but somewhere in that neighborhood. And I, you know, heard being a part of that, you know, we're very student-centered. We are really sold on the idea of faith integration, uh, helping our students really discover their calling and how God has wired them and how they integrate faith into that calling and vocation um, and believed it. But when I came here as a vice president, and I was a part of the daily activity and work of this university, it was all true. I think one of the things that separates Lee, and maybe it's the thing, is what we call, quote, the Lee experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's a real, that is a real, um, thing. Um, the, the way we are very, very student-centered. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that begins with Dr. Khan. It flows out through our cabinet and then into our deans and chairs and into the faculty and even to the staff in every way. This is what we are. Mm-hmm. And um, just observing that, seeing that. And it was one of the things that really brought me here to Lee, mm-hmm. the opportunity to invest in young men and women. And in my particular case coming here was for ministry. Um and uh having that opportunity, I couldn't think of a greater calling. I always thought being a pastor was the greatest calling. It still right. is a very, very great calling. Yeah. but to come and then maybe multiply myself if you will, or to help other uh, young men and women from all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. develop this, what an opportunity to really invest in, and multiply yourself into, into these folks and, and for them to be around the world doing this, it, I, I can't think of something greater. And to see this now expanded out into the entire campus and having that opportunity with students from all majors and all disciplines. But I think that's, that's what sets us apart. We're really sold on that. We are very, very student-centered, and we are very sold on about faith integration. Mm-hmm. Now, it's challenging, and we do it well some ways, and we don't do it so well others, but we're constantly working at it. We believe every person is called to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the highest calling anybody can have. Sure. That's what we're all designed for. In that calling, we are made for good works. Ephesians 2.10 is, is our verse around here. Yeah. At Lee, We are called to this relationship with God and Jesus Christ, and we're called in that relationship to do good works, His works in this earth. And those good works are primarily played out in what we do in our vocation, Mm -hmm. in our careers, if you will, and what we do in terms of job. So how then do we, as these followers of Jesus Christ—and we know that not everybody that comes here is a follower of Christ— but we do want them to understand mm-hmm. that um, uh, a relationship with God in Jesus Christ, we believe is where somebody really finds out who they are. That's where we discover our real identity, what we're made for, mm-hmm. what our purpose is, mm-hmm. and what our really gifts and skill sets are used for and all about. Because um, mm-hmm. it's more than just having an impact in this earth for just now. Sure. I want to have an impact in this earth and I can have one for all eternity. Wow, right. How's that for a way of life, there right? You go. And I think Lee is sold on helping our students mm-hmm. discover who this God is in Jesus Christ and how He has called them, and how He wants to use them to make a difference in this earth in in that calling.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I i our listeners can't see, but I can see the passion. You know, when you're talking about that, and I can really see your heart for students and your heart for for people. Um, yes, we are a very student friendly campus. I mean, I tell people all the time from a pure business perspective, right? Without students, I don't have a reason to be here. You know, if students aren't here, why should I be here? Right. There's no reason for me Mm -hmm. to be here. And I won't be here if students Mm -hmm. are not here. You know, we use this term and we've heard it from, uh, student leaders. We've heard it from faculty and staff and administration, you know, you matter. It's a phrase that we hear all the time. You matter, um, not from a campaigning speech kind of approach, because that doesn't exist in the arena that we're in here with your uh, name as president, but from a presidential heart, right? Knowing that the previous president, Dr. Khan, was very student friendly, very um, student caring, love students. What are some ways that you want to see under your administration, those of us who are serving at your pleasure and at the university call, how, how can we, better serve others and how can we maintain what are some quick ways that you would say to all of us across the board to make students the priority now because they do matter and how we invest in them does make a difference
1: yeah i think it's just really having a caring heart wanting that every student that comes into your classroom or walks into your office or comes into your sector, or comes across you at, in, on campus, Right. how are you genuinely being kind to them? Uh, here's here's what I want to challenge every faculty person, every staff person to do. It's something I have attempted to do since I've been here at Lee. One of the great things I looked forward to when I came here to Lee was I was looking forward to that fall crisp day yeah. right you know in october sometime when it's it's nice cool outside it's got that clear sky blue sky out there and the and the leaves are changing i want to walk across a, a, a university campus mm-hmm. with students. I, I was I was just looking forward to all of that, and it's been that's a joy. I love walking across this campus, whether it's hot or whether it's cold or it's raining. I love walking across this campus. I love seeing the students all out and about, and boy, I've missed it. I've missed it so bad, and I think all of us have. Yeah. Um. But you, whether you're walking across the campus, you're walking through the halls of your school, or in the halls of where your office is. You see somebody, smile at them.
0: Mm-hmm. Even with your mask on. Even with can your mask. You
1: they can. It's, a, it's incredible, isn't it? They <laughs> yeah. can see it in your eyes. Absolutely. Smile at them. And I'll tell you, 99.9% of the time, they will smile back. <laughs> now, they may look at you strange at, to begin with, like, what is what yeah. does that person want? But they will smile back.
2: Yeah.
1: And you may think, that's so childish. That's so whatever. Well, maybe. Maybe. But in answering your question, I think if just genuine care, genuine concern, mm-hmm. you know, what's behind that student showing up late to your class? I'm not condoning showing up late to the class. Right. But have we taken the time to find out why? What, right. What's happening there? Mm-hmm. Why did that student seem to be copping an attitude? Okay, we don't like for our students to cop attitudes. We don't like for faculty to cop attitudes. We don't like for staff to cop. We don't like for presidents to cop attitudes. But what's behind that? Mm-hmm. Instead of writing somebody off, what what's behind that? Seek to understand. Sure, sure. Seek to understand. You know, I love, um, and I wish I had the message translation memorized, but I don't. But I love in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, I become all things to all people. Mm-hmm. I love what it says in the message. And I'm paraphrasing big time what it says in the message. And to some of my um, Christian ministry and theology colleagues out there, who may be cringing that I'm even talking about the message translation, <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> no, uh, just read it. Just read it. <laughs> <laughs> but he talks about there, he says, whether it's the religious or the irreligious, yeah. it's the rich or the poor, he said, my desire is I want to understand them. I don't sure. want to, I'm not going to compromise Christ, he says, it, but I want to step into their world. Sure. I want to find out who they are for the purpose that I might be able to influence them Towards the message, it says towards Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not saying we shove Jesus down people's throats, but I do believe. And it's easy. It's easy for us to get in our routines. It's easy for us as faculty. And I've I've taught ever since I've been here at Lee uh, two classes a a semester for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy for us to get into you know okay I've got you know I got to grade these papers and I got to get this exam together and I got to get this lecture put together and. You know, students may be falling asleep on us. And I know in your class, though, Dr. Lamb, they never fall asleep on you, do they? They're, they're right they don't there.
0: because I wake them up if they do.
1: So. <laughs> but, and, and it's easy for us to kind of get offended by that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I'm not suggesting we condone any of this. My point is. Sure. But before we go bringing down the hammer and just writing students off, yeah. have we taken the time to get what's behind, no pun intended, sure. the mask?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think if you have a difficulty smiling, you can buy the mask that has a permanent smile (laughs) printed on the front of it, right, which will be helpful for that. So uh, great, great conversation, great information. Let's shift. We have just a few more minutes left in this episode, but let's shift to a few other questions. Um, One of those meaning about – I think I would want to know and most probably everybody else would want to know – You know, big decisions are made at top levels, and uh, you're obviously at the top level at Lee University, and you've made some pretty tough choices in your life and big decisions in your life. What's your process for that? How do you make those decisions, and um, what have you learned about yourself during those journeys?
1: Yeah, I think, going back to something I said earlier, I think you do have to shut up and listen. Yeah. you got to get the information Got to make a tough decision. I need all the information I can possibly get about this. So I understand what, what all the options might be, what all the ramifications might be, depending mm-hmm. on the decision that needs to be made. Now, if it's a cut and dry decision, sure. that, that's a different animal. But if this is one where, okay, this could kind of go either way here and what's the, what's the best course of action, I need to get the information. And then I, I, I look to talk to folks who are privy are, are, are privy to the situation, if you will. Maybe my top leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay, sit down and help me, help me sort through this. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm thinking. What are you seeing? What are you thinking? Getting feedback, getting counsel, right. if you will. Then, of course, putting it to prayer, talking to the Lord, getting a sense of what, mm-hmm. what might he be saying to all this. And then once you've gotten all that and you've done all that due diligence – you, you make the call you make the decision mm-hmm. and even with all of that not everybody's going to be happy sure it's just they a never part it's just a part of leading right it's a part of leading and i guess what i've learned through all of that if you don't do that i guess what i've learned about making tough decisions if you don't go about making tough decisions it's going to be tougher yeah. down the road i yeah. mean you can lose credibility as a leader you can lose morale among um the people Um, among your staff or whatever. And so you can have, you might have, you might um, avoid short-term pain, avoiding tough decisions, Mm -hmm. but not long-term damage. Right. Um, And that, you know, and timing is so big in tough decisions. I mean, you know, when's the, when, when is the best time to do that? And it's a it's probably for me the most challenging part of being a leader is making those tough choices um, and and when when does that have to happen? Mm-hmm. You know I've heard some <laughs> uh, Sam Chan who is a leadership coach and uh, a leadership consultant. I've read quite a few of his books and I don't know that I fully agree with this, but I'm and I probably shouldn't say this to be honest I'm everybody's listening to this. Um, so for those listening, I don't fully agree with this, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I'm, gonna but I'm to going to posit it to you so you can decide if you will agree exactly with it or not. Right.
1: <laughs> he, said, he, he said, you know, the best time to fire somebody, as soon as you think it should be done. There you go. There now, you go. I'm not saying I fully agree with that, yet I, I'm still processing it. Or that, that you're planning on firing anyone. Or that I'm planning <laughs> on firing anyone. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Lamb. Appreciate that. But the, I think the point there is, you know— if if you as a leader, in looking at the information, everything i talked about, talking with folks, you've gotten all the feedback you can get, obviously, with the Lord, and boy, you know this is really what needs to be done, yeah. putting it off is probably not the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, too, I think that depending on what it is, especially if it's letting somebody go or that type of thing, Unless again, it's like I said a moment ago. It's just cut and dry. They have sure. done something so egregious, you have no choice. Right. Um, but I think you you look at I think you look at benefit of doubt. I, you know, I think it's the whole idea of innocent before proven guilty. I think all those things have to come into play. There's two sides to every story. Sure. All those things, sure. and a, a good leader, I believe, has to walk down that path of gaining all that information mm-hmm. before he or she can. Really make the right kind of decision.
0: And I think what I'm hearing you say, and again, this is not about firing or hiring, I don't think at this point, I think it's about the process. And right. what I think I'm hearing you say you know, is it's not easy to make tough choices.
1: Oh, it's not at all.
0: But you're doing with, you do them with wise counsel and influence from people you trust. And the self-awareness as a leader from what maybe somebody else might perceive about your style of leadership or your personality or who you are, but yet- they may or may not even be accurate, but you've got to take that into account to determine you yes, know, sir. those types of things. Let's um, let's ask just some a few questions just for fun. You know, these okay. Some just for fun. Um, what do you do to uh, to stay active? What do you do to uh, keep your mind and your body engaged? And and how do you do that?
1: My favorite thing is to be with my family. Yeah, I love being with my kids, my grandkids. My wife is my best friend. Uh, we have a great time together, and when we get together, I try with all my efforts to not talk shop if you, you will go. to talk about Lee when, we, when I was a pastor not talk about the church can't always do that but I really I love getting down on the floor and wrestling with my grandchildren mm-hmm. love it with all my heart um, being with my family is one of the one of the favorite things I enjoy doing I enjoy reading uh, I, I, I kind of read I kind of binge read it's kind of weird I may go several <laughs> months without reading and then I read three books in like two weeks or something yeah. it's kind of weird. Um, but I enjoy reading. That is uh, weird,
0: by the way. But go
2: ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: for anybody that knows weird, you ought to know. There weird. you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I love Doctor Lammy. is a is a dear friend of mine. Um, we, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I, and I I I love sports. I do. I am I'm, a, I'm a, uh, enjoy watching sports. <laughs> Boy. Not having it right now with all this is and then baseball finally started. Did back. you watch the
0: opening game the other day? I
1: did. I watched the game. Okay, opening. here's the
0: real question. Are you one of the fifteen hundred cutouts? Or do you have your
1: <laughs> I don't have, is your face I don't, <laughs> on a seat
2: at no, the stadium? <laughs>
1: I don't have a cutout. I should, I should. I'm a, I'm a big Braves fan. But there I'm a, I'm an avid baseball fan. Sure. I mean I sure. just love I love baseball, so I enjoy watching that. Um and I, you know, I'm I'm not a runner, but I do walk. Yeah. Um and and so I try my best as as often as I can early in the morning to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, just to keep in some shape and as well as just to, yeah, just to kind of get my head clear and I do a lot of praying during that time or mm-hmm. listening or I listen to podcasts or yeah. those types of Surfcast, things. Surfcast. Surfcast is a great one to listen to. Surf is a great one, to listen, a great to. one to listen to. <laughs> At least this episode. I listen to TED Talks. There's there this go. dude on TED Talks <laughs> named William Lamb that's got something out there. I listen to that. Um, so those are the those are some type things. Favorite food. Favorite. Oh, goodness. About all food. I, Italian. Yeah. I love Italian food. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But um, I love all food pretty much. Yeah,
0: favorite non-alcoholic drink because we don't do the alcoholic drinks here. So favorite, well, you and I don't, but favorite Coke non- Zero.
1: Coke Zero. Yes, sir. Yeah, the little ten ounce one or the you know non. You know, well, let me let me rephrase. Coffee. Come and, on, man. Yeah, coffee and then Coke Zero.
0: I don't ever do coffee. Actually, Why? on rare, rare, rare occasions. Well, now, see, that's weird. Yeah, because it's a downer for me. Especially Coffee's at Lee University, there that's you go. weird. Well, I mean, I could be like Alan McClung and walk around with a coffee cup all day long. And so, yeah. Well,
1: Alan, I didn't say that, brother. You heard who said <laughs> that. I didn't.
0: I traveled with Alan one time to a conference, and no lie, no lie. And I, I've told him to his face, and I've told him public, and now I tell him behind his back, so everybody here Joker drinks coffee like I drink water, man. We had like 10 or 15 <laughs> cups in the floorboard. It was hilarious. I, guess, you I, know. I love um, coffee, too. Yeah, so. it, was it was great. It was great. Talking about books a while ago, talk about reading. What's your most impactful or most encouraging or favorite book you've read the last 12 months?
1: Oh, probably the most impactful from a leadership standpoint would be a um, book written by Dr. Mark Rutland called uh, David the Great. Yeah. It's a look at King David, and it's it's just really been a fascinating read for me. In fact, I've walked with that book I've walked through that book with f- four different students, mm. um, and it's 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 just been it's a great read, very impactful. Probably a book that I don't even know if it's even in print anymore. That was had some of the greatest influence on me in my early career days, but I think it might be out there. It was written by Josh McDowell, called "His Image, My Image," mm-hmm. really looking at who a person is in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That probably had some of the most impact on me um, in really getting a hold of that. Sure, for me, coming from a high performance family, you mentioned my dad a moment ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we, if for whatever reason, the walkers are just we just high, it's a high performance family, going all the way back to my grandfather, my dad's dad, my mom's dad, just high achievers. It's mm-hmm. just something that was part of our DNA. And living in that environment, you can find yourself trying to go, Am I gonna measure up? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have what it takes? Kind of thing, and I and I've struggled with that in the past, and still struggle with it at times. Mm-hmm. I think it's a human tendency in a, in a lot of folks. But anyway, this book by Josh McDowell, "His Image, My Image," I think it might be still out there, mm-hmm. um, was just very helpful in me sorting through the whole performance-based acceptance idea and that who I am is based on how well I do. And um, he, he just th- that book just really did a lot in transforming my understanding of that. Mm.
0: There's a lot of definitions of a lot of heroes in the world, right? So as a child, who was your favorite hero? And now, you know, who do you consider to be a hero in your life today?
1: Wow. Boy, that's a great question. The Lone
0: Ranger may have been mine when I was a kid. When I, don't, I was a I kid. Don't know. When I was a
1: kid, <laughs> it was it was between Roy Rogers, which some of our students won't even know who Roy Rogers History is. History book, man. Yeah, look, look it up. Yeah, Roy Rogers <laughs> and Batman, probably, Batman. probably those, yeah. <laughs> those two. Yeah. Uh, Today, uh, you, you talking about the fantasy superheroes? You or are, you are. Talking, are you talking? Are you talking? You talking real deal? It's my a call. question for
0: your, your the, your you. You're know, the
1: answer. This may sound so typical, but I, honestly, my dad. Yeah. Really, really is my dad is uh, 88 years old, but truly, in fact, it's it's crazy. Doctor Lamb, you mentioned this, and it just dawned on me as soon as you as soon as you said the idea of heroes, I was at Georgia State University. I was working on my master's degree in counseling. I was a young pastor at that time. Um, I think I was an assist associate pastor at Mount Perrin at that time. Mm-hmm. My dad was a senior pastor. And we were talking in that particular class about, it was, it was a family therapy class or a family dynamics class, or we were talking about that issue within that class. And just talking about influence and how dads and moms and how those systems work and my dad just really came on my heart, and I started thinking about him in that class. And I thought about this is my hero. Mm. And I, I pulled out a piece of paper. I didn't hear what the professor said the rest of that class. To students listening to this, don't do as I do. <laughs> don't ever stop listening to your professor. But in this particular moment, and I wrote a, a poem about my dad, and nice. it's entitled My Hero. Nice. Um, and, yeah, he's not in real good health right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer he's going to be with us. And I say that. I know a lot of people may hear this and know my dad and may be freaking out. So forgive me for that. I'm not saying he's on death's door. I'm just saying he's in declining health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe I'm a little nostalgic right now. And, and um, But, yeah, my dad is 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 my hero. He's probably shaped my life in, determ- in, in, in showing what a real man of God is, um, how to treat a wife, how to— Treat children how to lead. Probably one of the greatest influences on me and leadership, and um, yeah, my dad.
0: Good stuff. So, last question, and then we'll do closing thoughts. Um, when when you think about you know this idea of now being sixty one, which is well past fifty, so you're on the downslide to. Thanks for right? thanks for
1: reminding me of <laughs> there that. You I'm, I'm, there you go. There uh, you go. I'm past geez. fifty as
0: well. So. Uh, what, you know, a lot of people use this terminology and this phrase, but let me just pitch it out there. What would you say to your 18-year-old self or what do you want college students to know today that you wish you had known when you were a fresh freshman in college or a senior in college or anywhere in between?
1: Yeah. Two things. Life goes by fast. At age 18, you don't even think about that. Yeah. But I sit here now. 61, you're thinking about. It. Well, I, well, yeah, no, I sit here at 61, and I look back and go, my goodness, yeah. how fast I got here. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it, it, life goes by fast, and not to ever take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think maybe go to the second thing: don't be afraid to fail.
2: Mm.
1: Don't be. I'm not saying go go find failure or go try to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, to be willing be willing to try new things. I think. In my growing up, I, um, I I struggled with the fear of failure, and mm-hmm. and so I think I maybe lost out on some probably some pretty cool opportunities because I was just afraid. Got to go back to that performance thing I talked about in a moment. I was just afraid to try because I what if I failed? And so um, yeah, life goes by quickly. You know, take advantage of every opportunity that you might get that you feel like this would be worth. Going into and don't don't be afraid to fail at it, because mm-hmm. one of the best ways we learn is when we fail.
0: Yeah, this is true. Um, we have a number of we have a number of listeners, uh, thirty five plus countries, um, literally all over the U.S. Um, closing thoughts that you want our listeners to know today um, before we leave.
1: Yeah, God loves you. He has proven that through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, He has a life for you um, that isn't absent pain, Mm. it's not absent hardship, but it provides uh, an ability, a strength, a hope that will get through any hardship and difficulty and Mm. provides us the greatest opportunity by which we can impact the lives of other people in a very profound, positive way, um, not just for now, Mm -hmm. but for all eternity. Um, and I think that's what Lee is all about, and that's why I'm here.
0: Great. Dr. Walker, thank you for joining me today on Surfcast and uh, maybe we won't wait uh, four years before we invite you back, so it'll be good.
1: <laughs> thank you, sir.
0: Hey, folks, thanks for joining us today, and as always on Surfcast, I remind you that we're made for more. We're made to impact the world with the goodness of Christ. We do that by reflecting His image to the world of chaos. So i would like you take for a moment, and I'd like for you to listen to this Lee Yu worship tune and contemplate this conversation today and figure out ways and areas in which you might need to make the necessary changes in your life to be the greatest example that you can be to this world today. Until next time, have a great day.
2: Jesus, our King, Prince of Peace, Deliverer Jesus, our Hope, Lamb of God, Messiah Fully man, fully God You took on flesh to make us whole We will worship Your name with every breath, surrender all. Emmanuel, God, you are with us. Your presence, Lord, is dwelling in us. But we wait for you to return to the world that you saved. For you are here now, but yet to come. To make us whole, we will worship. Tuning into Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.